Miles Garrett, let's get into it. Defensive player of the year. I think we saw this coming. But just because we thought it would happen doesn't mean we're any less pissed off by it. Based on a lot of the feedback I've seen on social media since last night. Andrew Filipponi, Chris Muller, Donnie Football on this Friday before Super Bowl 58. Watt so pissed off by his snub that he did not even show up to the event last night in Vegas. This has started a war on social media. Uh, I fashioned my battle axe and sword and shield, and I was out there last night uh, putting things out there that Browns fans didn't like and many Steelers fans agreed with me on. Uh, Malzi noted before the show that it's turned Alan Saunders from the Steelers Now website into a psychopath. Alan's... Alan's having a real one on the internet. I, What's the one been... about wanting to sleep with somebody's mom? Do you have that no, one fired up and ready to go? I, I have it. I mean, I can tell you the exchange. Can you um, please? So he's a very mild-mannered Steelers beat rep- reporter and has been for a number of years. And this Garrett versus Watt thing has now really, has him saying, I have gotten, sex with your mom. It's gotten out of control. So any t- first off, anytime you are responding to a guy who goes by Johnny Breadsticks on Twitter... Things have already gotten away. Like, you've lost the plot, as they would say, right? So, Johnny Breadsticks, um, I got to find it here because Johnny Breadsticks tweets a lot. But he basically said, so some 400-pound uh, Steelers writer. Well, didn't Gentilly text it to you? Oh, Can yeah, you, you know what? That's right. That's right. I couldn't remember where I had seen the screenshot because... Sean Gentilly from The Athletic eh, is also kind of, finding humor in this. Well, you're kind of, yes, you're kind of airing him out here. Why? For finding this funny? We're all finding it I, comical. It just said 400-pound Steelers writer thinks he knows more than PFF, NFLPA, PFWA, and the AP voters more at 11. And then, again, this is just, I don't think you, you send this response personally. I'm only 260. Ask your mom. She can vouch for me. Things are, it's ultimately a, an argument about, whether the right statistics were used to give the Defensive Player of the Year award. And things are just going off the damn rails. Um, didn't he call, I will, Here's another did, one. Didn't he call some uh, writer from PFF so, a female dog, too? Didn't that happen? No, I'm going to— some extreme name-calling went on there? Sean happened to send that one that I just read back to me because I first sent this to him because I was just taken aback at the vitriol. Allen started this all off at 9.30 last night. He said, after leading the league in almost sacks, attaboys, and nice tries, Miles Garrett's been named NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Guy named- I must have missed that because I would have retweeted that. That's a very clever tweet. I like that one. Okay, a guy named... Uh, I agree with him on it. A guy named Marcus Mosher, who covers the Cowboys, the Raiders, does a little bit of work for PFF. Does work- he also cover Duke basketball and the New York Yankees while he's at it? Uh, No. Uh, but Marcus Cowboys and Raiders. Okay. Also, interestingly enough, two teams that had guys who I think finished in the top five. I know Parsons was third. Was Crosby fifth? He might have been. Okay. Uh, Marcus also writes for PFF a little bit, but he does a lot of other work for other sites mainly. Okay. And he so writes, what happened there? So he writes back to Allen. Maybe pass rush win rate does matter, huh? A little bit of a challenging thing, but those two have been exchanging barbs as far as I can tell, or general barbs like that for a while. And this is where I think things went from 0 to 100 very quickly. Alan's response to that was only to the piece of bleep that you work for (laughs) that calls itself an analytics site and the charlatans fooled by its pseudoscience. And that has just – and that that particular tweet from Alan is what I think sparked then Johnny Breadsticks to go after him and then Alan's rebuttal to Johnny Breadsticks. 
<laughs> I have no idea why this is so funny to me. Well, because then, it's so out of character for Saunders. He snapped. Somebody, no, no, this no. This caused him to snap. This last line, for some reason, I don't even know who it references here. Somebody just writes, you don't look so skinny yourself, pal. And I don't know who the pal in question here is. I can see your back fat through your jacket. I have no idea where I, where any of this came from. Well, I think a lot of the the anger is justified because I've I've honestly never seen this criteria used to give out an award before. It reminds in, in me, it reminds me of it reminds me of something actually. It reminds me of the way baseball awards. Well, it get reminds me of now. a very specific award, and I think Nat. I, okay. So I'm going to try to be a reasonable human being about this, which I know is not going to go over well for me, but I'll try. You and I, I think we're still plying our trade on the overnights. When Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young with, I want to say, a 13-12 and 12 record back in the win-loss days in the, in the early sabermetric wars, but every underlying number said he was the best pitcher in baseball, victimized by almost comically bad run support, and he won it. In most of that analytical community, and I remember I was I tried to be hip to those stats, said this is a win for like common sense here. He was the best pitcher. Give him average run support. His win-loss record's like 21-4. and four, You know what I mean? And so I think outside of Pittsburgh, I mean this, what I'm sensing, because I've tried to get the, the tone of comments not from this area, people feel like the voters got it right here outside of Pittsburgh. But that standard— And the, the, the response inside of Pittsburgh— has been all-time levels of venom from but what I've seen. But that standard that you're talking about in baseball has been used across the board. They apply it to Cy Young. They apply it to MVP. They apply it to Rookie of the Year. They apply it to all the awards. They go with war stats and things like that now, not just win-loss record and RBIs and things like that. That's universal in baseball. Mm-hmm. It just got applied selectively to this award, and I don't know why. I think it got applied to one other award, too. Which one? I thought Jackson won the MVP based on a lot of this no, kind he didn't, of stuff. Because he did, he's the first MVP not to be in the top 10 of passing touchdowns or passing but yards. But hold on a second, though. Well, he, But here's why he got that award, because his team had the best record in the league. Yeah, if, but they definitely used criteria other than raw counting stats to determine that award. They gave it, they gave it to him not because of analytics, though. They gave it to him because his team had the best record. I think there was an analytical bent to it, too. I don't think that if that the Ravens Garrett's are eleven and six, one. you think he wins the award? I don't think there's any chance. I think if the Browns are ten and seven, Garrett probably doesn't win this award. They went twelve and five. Oh, I think, I think, uh, did they go twelve and five or eleven and six? I think it's because I think it's eleven and six. I think it's because of the the win rate thing that you brought up. Yeah, eleven and six. Sorry, it's because of pass pass rush win rate. Well, it's it's because of that, rates. and then it's because of, I think, the perception. I think there's a couple things that went into it. It's the pass rush win rate. It's how often was he dominating his matchup, even if he didn't get to the quarterback. I think it's also a case of... Since when have, have voters on. cared about that? I know. I, I'm not saying that, that this isn't unprecedented as far as the first time I can remember it becoming this much of a part of the discussion. I think people look at the fact that he was getting double and triple teamed pretty much more than any player in the league. And then I think there's also the part of this where if you're going to specifically compare it to Watt, I still believe most people view it as if you are lining up almost exclusively over the left tackle, you are drawing the harder assignment. These are all things I'm just saying I have seen thrown around. Difficulty of assignment, double teams, triple teams, how often are you winning your rep? And I will admit the part of this that that blows my mind, if Garrett had won this award and these same stats were being cited, but he had had a very quiet first seven weeks or so of the season, 
and then had gone crazy and racked up almost all of his numbers towards the finish, I would understand on a human nature perspective, from a human nature perspective, you'd say, well, the guy just finished with a flourish. But the counting stats that were there for most of the first part of the year disappeared down the stretch. That is what is mainly surprising to me and why I think the analytical community is celebrating this so much. He, he has number well he has numbers that have never been uh reflective of a defensive player of the year award at his position. He was seventh in sacks for a pass rusher, eighth in quarterback hits, seventh in tackles for loss, ninth in pressures, fifth in forced fumbles. Well, it must be the defense. They just picked a guy from the best defense in the league. No, they didn't. They were thirteenth. They were 13th in scoring defense. I'm surprised that a lot of their early work and his early work seemed to hold up in this. I am surprised by that. By points points allowed, they were the worst defense on the road in the NFL this season. I'm aware of this. And they rewarded him with with defensive player of the year. Yeah, I don't feel great like making a case that they got this, you know, right and that people here are out of their minds for being upset about it. I don't. I don't feel good making that case. I mean, the guy had one sack. In the last seven games that he played. Embarrassing. He had, I think, seven quarterback hits. Now, this is just pro football reference, so I know like everyone's going to have different numbers for this. He had some tackles for loss. He played well against the run, or he was making stops in the backfield. But it, that's why I said, if you had flipped his numbers, where from games one through six, I guess it would have been of the regular season, Pony, one through six, he has one sack. Then he goes crazy, and in the final 11 games of the year, he has 13 sacks, and he's putting up huge stat totals, and they're charging towards the playoffs. I get it a lot more. I am surprised that the voters ignored the overall lack of any counting stats to speak of for basically two months to end the year. That's what surprises me. All right, so 412-928-9370, if you want to chime in on the uh, TJ Watt snub with us. 412-928-9370. Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. Then there's the other uh, issue from last night. And Zeiss, I think, tweeted that he had a problem with this, that Watt didn't show up for the event, that he just blew the whole thing off. Now, I think he knew that Garrett was going to win, and I just my my take on it is, I don't think he has any respect for the guy. Does he have respect for Cam Hayward or think there's value in being there for his teammate to win what the NFL calls yeah. its most prestigious award? That's the only part of it I don't like. So when, that, That's why I think it's a bad look, not because he doesn't but respect how, but Garrett. How, but I don't think – how would Watt have known that? You don't think that if he found out – hold on. You don't. You think that he might have found out early that Garrett was going to win or figured that out. We knew that Cam Hayward – I saw Scarpino tweeting like that Hayward was going to win. or like, time? Like Hayward had won multiple hours before he actually walked up There's there. There's 32 finalists for the Walter Payton Award. I understand. The odds of him so actually you don't, getting it were slim. But you don't think if Watt could have found out Garrett was winning that award that he probably could have been tipped off that Cam would be at very worst like one of the only two or three people that had a shot at it this year? I just think it's a tough look. Najee won an award. Tomlin was uh, the there. The Najee Tom- Award is a made-up award. Okay, fine. Come on. But Khan was there, Tomlin was there, other you know Steelers brass was there. I hadn't thought Watt, about Watt I hadn't is the best player. The, I hadn't thought about the the Hayward part of it. Oh, that's to be the, honest that, with you. I I tweeted out a question: Do you have a problem with Watt not being there? And it had nothing to do with was he showing up Garrett and being like a bad loser to Garrett. It was one hundred percent from my vantage point about be there for your teammate who is a very well respected warhorse in that locker room and one of the most respected guys as far as his community impact in the entire NFL. Okay, so I think you make a good point in this way. If his brother is still in the NFL and is going to win the Walter Payton of the, Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Yep. 
and he knows he's losing Defensive Player of the Year. He's still there last night. Even if he thinks his brother has a pretty good chance at the Walter Payton Award. I think he's there. Yeah, that's why I don't like it. That is specifically my reason. And blood is thicker than water, I get it, but still. I mean, he's been going to battle with Hayward for almost a decade. Those guys have been the spokespeople for tough times. I'll tell you what, that's a compelling argument. That That is a good case for it. But that's, he's in his feelings because he thinks he got robbed, and I get that part. And he's got no respect for Garrett, I think, because of what happened with Mason Rudolph hitting the guy over the head with a helmet. I think that that's, that's part of fine. it, That's fine. Like, that part of it, if that was the only part of it last night, the only piece, I wouldn't care. And if the Steelers nominee for the Walter Payton Award was, like, not seen as a threat to win it last night, I would have no problem with it. But it's pretty obvious that people knew that Cam had a real shot at it, and that's why I wish Watt would have been there. Donnie, you want to chime in on any of this? So my, my only thought with him skipping the event in general and, and knowing that there's a shot that Cam Hayward actually wins the award, and I, I know that, that that's one of those that, – that's really the only award I would say I don't think you can, like, bet on who the winner is going to be. Like, you can't go into the season and say, I'm betting on Cam Hayward to win the Walter bet, Payton I'm going to make a prediction award. on who the – who the best person, the best human in the league is this Because season. there's always a, a team representative. So you got you got 32 guys. They brought them all out on stage last night. What I hope is that maybe there was a conversation between the two guys before the event took place. But I don't think like, there was because of what Chris said. Like, how could there have been a conversation like, hey, like you're saying. I'm saying like Watt initiated the conversation with Hayward. Like, I'm really pissed case. about this. I'm going to blow it off. Are you okay with that? Sort of. Like, asking him, like, you know, if he would care if I didn't go. Or having a conversation with Tomlin in the same vein. Like, like, how do you feel about me not going to the okay. event? I'm not going to win. I'm going to be annoyed. Okay, say say that actually did happen. If I were, I wouldn't say it maybe if I were Hayward or Tomlin to his face. I would be deeply annoyed. I would be pretty pissed off that he's putting himself above everything else here. Thanks for finding us on the final football Friday for seven months. Super Bowl 58, Chiefs and 49ers. We have fun with Super Bowl audio coming up uh, next or later on in the show. We also will have Mark Caballi on some of these Steelers moves. They just made official their offensive uh, assistant hires. Tom Arth is quarterback's coach. Nothing in the press release about what's going to happen with Mike Sullivan. So maybe Kabali can give us some answers on that when we bring him on a little bit later on. Yes, Malsey. So just to put a bow in this, so from weeks 12 through 17 for Miles Garrett, okay? Um, He didn't play week 18, and then I'm not counting the wild card because the playoffs don't matter for these awards. They don't count. But he did no-show that, too. He did not. Yeah, he did not bathe himself in glory. In a nice thirty-one-point like loss. They play. They go Denver, L.A., Jacksonville, Houston, or Chicago, Houston, and the Jets. I'm just going to give you his PFF grades in that time. One sack, fifty-eight grade against Denver, his Bad. worst game of the year. Seventy grade, basically sixty-nine point two against L.A. Pretty on the good end of things, but under his usual standards. Jacksonville, Chicago, Houston in order: ninety-two, ninety-two point three. 90.9, and then a 77.8 against uh, the Jets. In those three games where he was in the 90s, PFF credited him with 26 total pressures of the of the quarterback. However, all but three of them were just considered hurries. No hits. Three quarterback hits, 23 uh, hurries. How ticked off are you about T.J. Watt's uh, Defensive Player of the Year snub? What do you want to say about it with us? Give you a chance. 412-928-9370 here. 
And how do you feel about what blowing off the event last night? Malsey made a good point. He skipped Cam Hayward getting the ultimate honor in football, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. 412-928-9370. Here is Phil on the fan. Hello, Phil. Hey, guys. It's kind of a weird thing. At one point, I mean, well, he was going to win something anyways. He won that, uh, I guess it was a Charlie Jones Award for the most sacks. And so maybe he should have showed up. But I think the whole award show is basically a joke. I mean, I, I get him not going because, I mean, look at Lamar Hamlin died on the field. And they brought him back, and he played. He wasn't comeback player of the year. Joe Flacco played five games, and he was comeback player of the year. Maybe this was just a big thing to give uh, – this is a Yinzer coming out. Cleveland a bunch of awards because they're never going to win anything. Well, it was strange to see the Browns win as many awards as they did. They had a good year, but it's not like they were the little engine that could this ultimate underdog story. They were in Vegas picked to win as many games as the Steelers before the season started, and they did sweep the awards last night. The Hamlin thing for the life of me, I, I do – I agree with the caller – I think that's actually the worst thing that happened last night. By coming back and playing football, I don't care that it was just special teams and relief duty as a safety. He returned after dying on the field. Joe Flacco was just unwanted and old. And he didn't even play the whole season. And yeah, he saved the Browns' year. But that's that's not more impressive there- than what DeMar Hamlin did. They're essentially saying getting the Browns to the playoffs is harder than coming back from the dead or more yes. impressive than. Which, I, and, and on one hand, I do kind of hear that. But that, I thought, so you know what I thought? Forget about that I one. was just, I was, st- more than what, because I saw that coming. When Hamlin lost, I was like, you've got to be effing kidding me. Well, there were people saying when it's he. It's the greatest comeback story in sports history. <laughs> there were people saying that, like, you could just loan your money to a casino if you could bet on that that Hamlin would win it when he played this year, when he just took the field and played, and obviously that didn't happen. I just think it was funny. He got more first-place votes, but like people either felt like he deserved, uh, yeah, he's my first place, or they didn't vote him second really very often. The one that actually confounded me beyond the ones we've already talked about is Schwartz, I actually do think, deserved a fair amount of credit for how their defense looked for most of the year. I had no problem with him winning the assistant award because they were really, if you have five quarterbacks, your defense has to do some heavy lifting to get you where you need to go. If Schwartz is going to get the assistant of the year, then don't give Kevin Stefanski the head the the coaching award for the head coach. I thought that should have been Ryan's if you're going to have Schwartz win the assistant award. That it was just it was yeah, weird. Yeah, so what you're saying is that they their coaches did like the greatest coaching job in NFL history. The 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 the, the defensive coordinator and the head coach both deserve recognition and no one else does. Yeah, I agree with you, Malsey. Here is Vincent on the fan. Hello Vincent. Hey guys. Hey man. Um, the first thing I do think what TJ did last night was immature, just not being there for his teammate, and also just playing it up by posting about it. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. But I do think he did he did get snubbed, and I know you have to look at more than the stats. But I kind of look at it more of like when the stats happen. Well, wait a minute though. Wait a minute though. Before you make your point, why do you have to look at more than the stats? For forever, that's all they've really done for these awards is look at stats. They've always been stats awards. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but I do get the double team and all those things. But I don't. I think you have to put it all together in the context of it. Like when I say stats, I look at when did you get a sack? Did you get in the fourth quarter when your team needed it? Did you get a turnover when your team needed it? That's kind of how I look at it. And from even then, TJ Watt deserves it. And I do wonder too if you literally just flip the roles. If Watt had Garrett's stats, Garrett had Watt's stats this year, do you guys think there would have been a difference? 
Mm. If Garrett had Watt stats, he wins the award going away. I think he wins it by even more. I'll, I'll go back and say what what perplexes me is more that there were no tangible stats other than the one sack against the Jets in those final six regular season games. And I just think if you flipped the way his season went chronologically, and that was the start of his year, and then he caught fire, and it's sacks in pretty much every game, and it's a Tennessee game late in the year where he has three and a half. Not only do I don't I not think like there's a problem with it. I don't think most Steelers fans they say, "Oh wow, the Browns like caught fire at the end and this guy just went like completely nuts the whole time." You might be mad and say he didn't have a full season's worth of great play, but I think it would be much more easy to get into the heads of the voters and say, "Well, they were won over by how torrid his finish was." Fan Hotline is presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. Art Rooney talked to everybody this week from our Jeff Hathorne to Bob Pompiani and was asked by Channel 4 about them swinging a quarterback trade and Rooney expanded on some of the answers he had given both uh, our reporter and also Pomp so we will have that for you and try to sift through that and figure out what that means we're taking your phone calls on TJ Watt snub in decision to skip the award ceremony last night, 412-928-9370, gets you in on that. Here is D-Block in Bethel Park. Hello, D-Block. What's going on, gentlemen? Hey, um, I just looked up the, the stats of the worst player to ever win NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and actually right now it's got Cortez Kennedy in 92, Lawrence Taylor in 82, Jason Taylor in 2006, and actually Miles Garrett is number four on the list. Well, you can chuck the Taylor in 82. That was a shortened strike year. Yeah. Correct. And so you he's can also actually, look at Cortez Kennedy and say, like, he's a defensive tackle. He's not supposed to get big counting stats. That's not his job to get like tons of sacks from that correct. position. But but overall overall play, it lists it lists tackles and forced fumbles and fumble recoveries sure. and all the stuff. And he's actually number four or five on the list right now with those stats that he won this year as the worst defensive player of all time to win to win the award. I consider it a, a participation award now. It's no longer considered defensive player of the year. It's a popularity contest. Um, but why would this guy is, be popular? He took somebody's helmet off and knocked him in the head with it. I mean, that well, they're trying to clean the image up. They're trying to clean the image up of Cleveland. Cleveland's looking to buy a new, getting new stadium. If everybody forgets, they're out there trying to buy, get a new stadium. They're trying to keep the fans engaged. So the more they keep the fans engaged, the more chance they have to get a new stadium to keep the team in Cleveland. They already lost them once. All right, thank you. Here is Carol next. Hello, Carol. Hello, guys. Hey, I just wanted to make a comment on the DeMar Hamlin situation. By all means, um, please. Yeah, Flacco should have accepted the award and then very promptly called DeMar up on the stage because it was just absolutely ridiculous that he did not get that Flacco reward, said that it award. himself that he didn't want it. He went out, He did an interview before the uh, Super Bowl, before this week started, Chris. I don't know if you saw this. He told CBS Sports Radio that he didn't feel like he even deserved to be listed among the candidates for I it actually, and thought it was a slam dunk for Hamlin to get it. I actually respect Flacco for that because I think the, the – Now, I didn't see his speech last night. I don't know if he said that after he got the award. Maybe he changed his tune after I he mean, won. he might not have said it right up there on stage, but at least he said it in public somewhere where it got recorded. He was on his couch. He was just old. And the thought was he wasn't good. Like, he's a nice story. If, honestly, though, to me, the comeback player of the year is obviously for a, a situation like Hamlin. He died on the field. Or I usually liken it. Sometimes guys have won it for being bad one year and coming back and playing better. Ryan Fine. Tannehill. Fine. 
Brees Hall tore his ACL last year, came back and was great for an offense that had no other options. He's a better choice than Flacco this year. I'll give you an example of when we had a guy come back from an injury and he had better numbers, but his story wasn't as good. Ben. Ben in 2020. Ben comes back from his elbow injury. The Steelers start undefeated. They win the division. He throws more than 30 touchdown passes. He doesn't win the award. You know why? Because Alex Smith almost had his leg amputated. Correct. And he didn't. He came back. And, and he played didn't have how, good numbers. Didn't he barely play that year? By he the almost en- died. By the end of the year, I think he. I think he had been benched for Heineke. So, it. So this, the the Hamlin thing reeks of this to me. The Hamlin thing does reek of this among the people who voted. And this is just my my guess. And so I could be wrong. I think there are a lot of people who are who said there was so much attention paid. He had. So many flowers rightly bestowed on him for his perseverance and the positive change that that has happened to his charity because of this, and there's been so much attention. They almost wanted to get it back to football. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know who I can't wait to talk to next week? Mike Florio. He, to his, I think, big credit, put his ballot out there publicly for everyone to see. He voted Watt Defensive Player of the Year, but he did not vote Flacco or Hamlin. He had Baker Mayfield as his comeback player of the year. A guy who was on, what, how many teams last year? Three teams or whatever? So he applied it to come back from suck. And, yeah, come back from being on the discard pile of the NFL. But there's Mike, I think, with one pick that would have made people here very happy and one pick that probably would have left Steelers fans scratching their head. I really think they should. uh, And Pittsburghers. If Hamlin doesn't win that award, there's no point in having a comeback player of the award anymore. It should just be, like, most improved player. Yes, exactly. Well, why don't they have both? Like I think they should just add, I think they should the have NBA most has. improved player. But even then, I think that would get screwed up because it would be they try to give it to a younger player who made a big year two jump or something like that. It should just be if you're 38 or you're 22 and you had a bad year last year and a great year this year, I, you win that. I award. just can't believe how many people are like desensitized or numb to what Hamlin did. If a guy so, like what well, you you're surprised by that? Yes. Because people get into car crash level hits every Sunday and then just play normally the next week. But I know he died on the field, but like I, I do think the average but if person there was is some inspirational story of like a guy having a Ryan Shazier situation and we and we thought he was paralyzed and he comes back and plays the next year, even if he's not a good player, the history of the of the award tells you that that guy is probably going to win it. I think there's the other part. I'm again, I'm I'm sort of guessing blindly here. I think people also look at it, look at what happened with Commodio Cordis, basically like a, like a freak incident that has to happen when his heart is on what one very specific like millisecond of its beat for, his, for that to happen. And they say he basically overcame, yes, death, but also like a freak occurrence and not a he tore both knees up and somehow played the next year. I know, but think year. about the psychological and mental part po- of having Pony, to come back and play. Hold on. I'm, I'm playing, I am trying to play the world's weakest devil's advocate here. I am merely spitballing theories that I think might have informed the voters. I am not at all endorsing a single one of them. 412-928-9370. Jim is next. Hello, Jim. How are you doing, guys? Hey. hey. I, I, obviously, I think Watch should have won it, but here's the deal. If you have the if you have the NFL Coach of the Year, NFL Assistant Coach of the Year, the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, defensive player of the year doesn't that mean you you just won the nfl complete collapse embarrassing award of the year by not doing anything in the playoffs that just mean they suck more than anybody fight all those awards it is going to look weird years from now when we look back at the awards that were handed out for 2023 and these browns players won all them 
And, okay, well, how did the Browns do that year? Oh, wait, they went to a playoff game you and show, lost by 31. If you show a little kid who is like a little Andrew Filipponi in 2042 and they're looking through like a sports almanac or a website and they don't know who won the Super Bowl this year and they'd somehow stumble upon the NFL's 2023 awards, they'd say, oh, wow, the Browns must have gone all the way to the Super Bowl no. and won it. No, actually, no, they got beat. Playoff loss. <laughs> actually, they got beat by 30 in the first round. Try again. John is next. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up? Obviously, Watt should have won the MVP. That was a whole debacle. I think the most annoying part was Miles Garrett went and everyone's going to use every PFF stat, and then the MVP award comes out, Josh Allen doesn't win, and we're just going to throw PFF away and give it to Lamar Jackson. Well, that's why I, I tweeted that last night. I said, if we're going to do analytics now, then Josh Allen should have won MVP. Because all the EPA stats said he was the best quarterback I, in the league this year, and Pro Football Focus did too. Yeah, I don't I'm know if you, you saw this, but Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders was the only guy who went by those numbers and voted for Josh Allen for MVP, mm-hmm. and is getting absolutely murdered for it today. Stephen A. Smith went on first take and said that he should have his press credentials revoked for voting against Lamar Jackson. Meanwhile, Stephen A. Smith must be too clueless to figure out that that was the exact logic that was used on Miles Garrett, who he had on his show today, to win Defensive Player of the Year. By the way, fun with Super Bowl audio involving Stephen A. Here he is talking about the Travis Kelsey-Taylor Swift situation. When are people going to get a life? I mean, are y'all not getting none? Y'all ain't getting none? Y'all ain't getting loose? Y'all don't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? I mean, what the hell's going on? So people who aren't having sex are the ones that are pissed off about Kelsey Swift. The virgins out there, the 40-year-old virgins. The guys who aren't getting none. So implicit in this is that Stephen A is getting all that he needs and then some. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I take from that. Quite frankly, I still can't get past Stephen A's uh, very serious answer to the uh, the animals in the, in the Coliseum attack. Uh, I, I'm, with, I'm with shots, though. If you're going to vote Garrett, be consistent and vote Josh Allen. Right. But, I mean, I think there's a couple things at play, one of which, namely, is quarterback is seen as so much more, fairly or not, than just your stats. Now, I think Josh Allen was one of their biggest problems for part of the year. He's also the only reason that they ended up in the NFL divisional round. I mean, he put the team on his back. He did the reverse of what Garrett did on the defensive side. He started playing, like, unbelievably well late in the year. I mean, let's be upfront and blunt about why Lamar Jackson won the award. He he beat San Francisco head to head. Well, that's the other and Purdy thing. Purdy threw four was, interceptions. Purdy was the uh, was it, the betting front runner till that game, and then they pantsed San Francisco in their own building, and he played well. He won the head to head matchup between the two yeah, best teams with, in the league. I agree with that. Which gets into that's like a classic example of be a good teammate. Your actual teammate, you can be as mad as you want about your own thing, and you have probably cause to be. Your own teammate, though, is going to win what the NFL calls its most prestigious honor. Yeah, be there, and he's had so many. He's had so many uh, finalist appearances and no wins. I mean, like he was the Susan Lucci of this award. And you know how much it means to Cam. We all do. Yep. It's not hard to go there and be on your phone in the moments where, like, you know the camera won't be on you. And then when you know there's a good chance the camera will be, smile and clap. It's obvious why people don't want to – why we're not getting inundated with calls from people who want to criticize Watt for this. It's because, like, right now – there's such a rally around T.J. Watt because they think he got screwed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think anyone's really in the mood to say anything critical of the guy because they think he got a raw deal. Even though I had not thought about the Watt or the uh, Hayward 
aspect of him blowing that off last night until you brought it up at the beginning of the show. And I said, yeah, I think that you got a point there. That's that's a cherished teammate. That is the most respected guy, in my opinion, in the Steelers organization right now. I would agree with that. This guy who, it's a guy who does everything and plays the game the way everyone wants to believe every player plays on every play. All out, all the time. Rush back off, from injury. And then off the field, does every, I mean, he is the closest thing. He and Sidney Crosby, and, and in a lot of ways, Andrew McCutcheon, are like the three standard bearers for pro sports in the community here. You got to be there for him, man. All right, we're brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Peter, celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. We also have this now. Art Rooney, too, did all these interviews starting on Monday, first with Jeff Hathorne and others, then he did another one with Bob Pompiani, and what happens is every time there was an interview and quotes came out or sound bites came out, the next person doing the interview had more material to base their questions off of. So uh, this is Channel 4. Andrew Stocky asked... Art Rooney about what uh, Art said to Pomp about all options being on the table at quarterback and not wanting to close any doors or anything like that when it comes to a quarterback move this offseason. So here's what Art had to say as a follow-up to a question about what he had said earlier in the week. The question I always ask is, you know, would we consider anything like that? As we sit here today, I said, we don't want to close the door on anything. You know, that's still, I'd probably put it in the unlikely category. Yeah, uh, we'd like to look at any opportunity we think can make us better. So that's why I don't close the door on anything. I I don't want to create a lot of speculation out there that, you know, we're going out looking to make some big blockbuster trade at the quarterback spot. I, 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 you know, I I put it in the unlikely category. That's what I told you after that, the first one the first go-round, that it seemed way more likely to me that he was talking about like a late-round pick for a veteran currently under contract somewhere else who might be redundant for another team. And you know I hate watching your dreams of big, glitzy moves die. Well, but but hold on a second, though. If Justin Fields' asking price is a second- or third-round pick, that's not a big blockbuster trade, in my opinion. You don't think it is because of who the player is coming back here? It's Justin Fields. It's a guy who was a top 15 pick. Sure. But Blockbuster, I think of you traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. You gave up something substantial that you've never done in the last half century because you coveted and wanted this player so badly. That's how I'm going to choose to look at that or hear that comment. Like, we're so not- would a Blockbuster quarterback trade be you sent two firsts to somebody to move all the way up to make sure you had a shot at... Of course. Uh, yeah, you're what? trading first-round pick. Anytime right. first-round pick gets thrown into a deal, that is a Blockbuster. Okay. So you would call a trade Justin Fields for, say, a second-round pick, a non-Blockbuster trade. Something that is still then within the realm of possibility using the art syntax here. I don't. I That would... Dude, if... If when that happened, if it happened, we come in and at 150, I go, Pony, you are not going to believe this. It's real. It isn't sports talk, Barry. It's Adam Schefter. It's a blue check. Jerry's confirming it. The Steelers just traded their second round pick for Justin Fields. You would take the show rundown that we had both printed out. Rip it in half. You would rip it apart. You'd, you know, crumple it down. You'd say, boys, do we have a good one today? Because that would be a blockbuster freaking deal. So I think Art is very clearly it would feel trying like one, to but throw the cold acquisition water on price is not it would, a blockbuster okay, deal. But the feel here is more important. The acquisition price is more a commentary on how many teams would or wouldn't be interested. 
I think Art is specifically trying to throw cold water on that sort of deal, the notion of that sort of deal. That's how I take that. In a, in a sense, what he's saying is, if you're trying to ask me if we're going to make a deal that's going to make it obvious that Kenny Pickett is not QB1 even entering camp, don't hold your breath because you'll probably pass out. I think he realizes what he said by leaving it so open-ended the first time, created speculation and discussion, mm-hmm. and he's so controversy-averse, and he hates whenever he says something that makes waves mm-hmm. that he's trying now now to cover his tracks. That's what I'm hoping he means by that. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping that means. I just, I don't think, I think he just saw it as an opportunity to maybe reiterate. I don't think it's a covering of the tracks. I just, I've always taken it as he, because he had to have a real hand, a big hand in drafting Kenny Pickett. I think he wants to see that through to what he considers to be an, an end, satisfactory or otherwise. And that means giving him the chance to start this year. That doesn't that doesn't sync up though with this urgency comment. Is it a year where you're trying to develop a quarterback and figure out what you have, or is it a year where you have to win? Pick a lane, please. Pick do a you, side. Okay, but do you buy the urgency comments? We've talked about this before. When he says there's an urgency to win, do you and I feel like when that message comes from him that it has teeth like it would if Jerry Jones said it or pick another you know, when Al Davis was still alive, if he had said things like that. It doesn't for me. Woody Johnson, did you see what, see what he said? We've got to find a backup quarterback. We didn't have one last year. Just absolutely tossed Even though Zach Wilson still has time left on his contract. No, I know. He just crushed but he, him. But he just tossed him under the bus. Yeah. Woody Johnson talked about a lot of urgency for them. It's a big year, basically. I believe it when it's a guy like that. Doesn't make him a great owner. Just means I believe it when guys like that say it more than when Art does. Fan Hotline is presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. It is... The Friday before the Super Bowl, we've got PM Team Name That Tune coming up in 15 minutes for Tim McGraw tickets. I believe in our listeners this time. First time we played this game, we found a winner. He was only 23. We were very impressed by him. But in the process of finding a winner, we ventured to the depths of guessing uh, failure. I mean, it was... Donnie and I, I think, were as incredulous as we have ever been at some of the answers for the first edition of PM Team Name That Tune. Uh, hanging out with you, taking your calls, chatting it up. Let's uh, go back to the phones and uh, see what Brad has to say. Hello, Brad. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good. Hello. Hey, uh, I think you're crazy for wanting Justin Fields to come to Pittsburgh. The guy has 68 turnovers combined, fumbles and picks in 40 games. Uh, he has probably lost that team more games than he's won for him. And even though Kenny's not where we would like to see him, obviously, that's obvious. One thing he has done is taking care of the ball. And I know that comes with the uh, result of not taking any risks and taking chances and actually playing quarterback. But I'm still hopeful and thinking that that part might come around here in uh, his third year. Uh, the turnovers thing with Fields is fair. Uh, but let me ask, but he's also got 40 touchdowns to how many for Kenny? 13. That's just passing touchdowns, too. Yeah. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so it's 40 to 13. Okay, what are the turnovers compared okay, you, to each other? Okay, you gave me the turnovers. 
But I'm I'm telling you, what's he's got Kenny's th- turnovers? What's Kenny's turnovers? It's 30 interceptions for Fields to 13 for Kenny. Well, and what about the fumbles for Fields as opposed to Kenny? Uh, okay. Turnovers. You- turnovers is a big stat in the game that wins or loses games. All right. How many interceptions did Josh Allen have this year? Yeah, but Josh Allen. What? On what the other him? hand. He supersedes that more than what Fields does. Fields had an 1,000-yard rushing season two years ago. Well, that's great, but I want my quarterback to be a thrower of the Let football Let me ask you first. a question. If we polled all 32 GMs, do you think more of them would think Kenny Pickett or Justin Fields is a better player? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't know if that is going to be as likely as a slam dunk as you might think Fair it enough. is. Adam Schefter came out, and I don't agree with him on this, but Schefter, who has 5 million followers, said Justin Fields might get traded for a first-round pick. Do you think any team That's would trade a first-round pick for Kenny? Probably not right now, but I'm going to tell you right now, that this Justin Fields talk, and yeah, he's flashy, he's this, he's that, he's fast, great. The guy is not playing winning football. Did Matt Just, Stafford play winning football in Detroit? Matt Stafford didn't have any help around him at all. He had Kelvin Johnson, who's one of the greatest receivers of all time, Brad. Okay, that's one person. Yes, it is one person. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Who was Justin Fields' best receiver in his first two years till they got DJ Moore this year, who, by the way, had a huge season? Yeah, probably. Darnell Mooney? Yeah, that's who I was going to say. Okay, man. I don't think that Fields is a be- is a finished product. I think there's a chance. I don't even think he's a guarantee that he would Me come neither. here in a trade and be and be even like anything different than what he was in Chicago. But right, man, it's to me it's worth a shot. Well, I mean, we're some people are. I'll use this in the opposite direction, saying you've got to look through the eye test, and that shows you Garrett was better than what. Well, I'll just say, look at the eye test. I'm pretty sure, very close to a completely unanimous 31 other GMs polled. Would tell you Justin Fields is more preferable to them than four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. You want to follow up on that call? You can. Good back and forth with the guy. Call again, please. Here's Mark next. Hello, Mark. Hey guys, how are you? We're good. But I actually am following up. My uh, so the way I look at it, and I know the Bears aren't a very bright organization, but they could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers legitimately. So I don't think there's any faith in them with Fields either. And and personally, I don't. Wait, the wait, only wait, one wait, he's wait, more wait, wait, accurate. Time out, time out, time. When you say there's no f- He's saying that in, if they had faith in him, they wouldn't just pick Caleb Williams like everyone knows they're going to do. They'd just draft the two best targets they could get, Harrison Jr. and Bowers, in the, in the first couple picks. Okay. And then have big-time weapons for him all over the field. That's that, Mark, am I Which correct? Would, That's what, I'm, what you're trying to say, yeah. right? Okay. A hundred percent. And and I think that the only one he's more accurate than in the NFL is Zach Wilson. I mean, that's a statistical fact. I think the Steelers stick it out with Kenny for a year. We're going to go nine and eight anyway, regardless. And then they have to make a blockbuster trade if, if Kenny doesn't make huge leaps and bounds. I think, you know, it takes in our division, it takes another big Ben to win. Ultimately, if, if I, Kenny can't so, do it, so you're, so, so you're that, saying that you know Fields has an accuracy problem. You know his completion percentage yeah, I, is the same as Kenny's. Well, well which is fine. I, I, I'm not. It, uh, to me, he's not a big enough jump anyway. That, that's all. Okay. I, he, I think if Kenny's he, not the guy, you got to go huge. Okay, but oh, you're you're not giving up much to get him. 
and he is definitely the second best running quarterback in the NFL. Would you agree with that? Um, possibly, Who's but better? I think you're going to have to give up. Uh, Josh Allen, I would say, okay. is better. Mahomes yeah, is better. No, Mahomes not, is not no, a better running there's quarterback. No, there's no way that's true. The only does. acceptable answers here are maybe Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts. Well, Jackson. Well, Lamar, of course. Yeah, Lamar's yeah, better. Lamar, that's of why course. I said second. But I think Justin Fields is second. Justin Fields in an open field situation might be the best of all of them. I mean, you, you've brought in an offensive coordinator whose offense is about quarterback mobility. He wants to move the quarterback around. So that's why I have interest in Fields. You clearly don't, Mark, but thank you. By the way, he mentioned Brock Bowers. Has anyone ever looked less like a presumptive top five pick at tight end than Brock Bowers standing next to Gronk? Did you guys see the picture? Chris, I told you when he was on TV, he looked like a bust to me. He looks like his hairline started receding the minute he got to Georgia. <laughs> he was standing like all gangly-legged. The What do they call it? The fit, Donnie? His, his drip as far as what he was wearing? He looked like he was wearing like old cotton athletic shorts. And, and just like a plain T-shirt that had the uh, logo of the company that's sponsoring him on it. Meanwhile, Gronk looks like he's an offensive tackle by comparison, and they're saying this guy's going to go in the top five. Brian's next. Hello, Brian. Hey, fellas. What's going on? Hey, man. Good to talk to you. What's up? Hey, yeah, I was going to comment on the Garrett and Watt thing. Please, by Penny all means. Thing has got, got, Uh-oh. Penny, Penny thing has changed my mind. Go ahead. I want every everybody to seriously stop being a pit or a stealer homer. Seriously, look at this guy and over his what twenty plus starts that he had. Twenty four of okay. them. Has, has he ever taken over a game and wowed you? Even showed a, a, a his best flashes. game. They scored sixteen. His best objective game were for an entire game he played as clean a game as I've seen him play. They scored 16 points. There was a touchdown that should have been on the board that wasn't, so you can give him 23 in your mind if you want to. But that is one out of 24 starts, Brian. He's definitely shown flashes. I mean, but he, but he is not the, the question of how many games does he have. No, has he's... he taken over a game is what he said. He has not. He has not, not really. taken over a game. Really good second half against the Rams. Great drives against the Raiders and Ravens at the end of the game. His rookie year, but he but taking over Good a game throw is to what, Pickens to win no, one no, of the no. Ravens games. Pony, no, you know I, I I know Chris taking I'm, over a game is what Josh Allen does, or even as much as people dog him here, Lamar Jackson in the regular season often does. Every other quarterback that is considered a great quarterback in this league has taken over a game or many games this past year. C.J. Stroud took over games. It is time for PM Team Name That Tune. I would say 99 out of 100 listeners could tell you the name of this song You think within five seconds. Do you think 99 of them could tell you, or how many do you think could tell you the artist? I can't tell you the artist. Jimmy Horzen. Did you know that, Donnie? I couldn't think of his name once Chris put it out there. Still with us? Still kicking? No idea. I'm looking. I'm assuming that it's him. That's how I've always known it to be. And he plays the he, he's polka, he plays the accordion. All A right. one man. He brings the polka show to you from polkatime.com. 
Whether it's accordion only, a one-man polka band, or a full multi-musician ensemble, get ready for happy music. I've always loved polka. I've tried to convince Amanda Forstellis for her birthday to hire a polka uh, band. She said no. My pap loved polka music. It's phenomenal. He would just like have it, like he would just like chill with it, like in the background. And it's, like the, the thing at like a wedding. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, I, I forget like what the, the dance is officially called. Where like you, you give the dollar, you give the five or the 10 or the 20, like you tie it up. And they just play the polka song for like 25 minutes. Oh my God. You know dude. what I'm talking yes, about I here? Yes, I do. I do. Horrifying. I'm a fan of it. All right. So here's how PM Team Name That Tune works. We will play you a soundbite, and you have to name that tune. Who said it? Who's the person talking in the clip? And these are Super Bowl inspired. That'll be the giveaway here. All right. Let's get started. We got people ready to go. Starting with Tyler's first up. Hello, Tyler. How's it going? How long you been a Steelers fan for, Tyler? Uh, not as long as you. Okay. Well, we'll see how this goes then. <laughs> this here is going to go horribly. Here is your soundbite. Bradshaw loved to be in the limelight. It was almost as if when the lights went on, it was it was showtime and, and he was ready to go. Who said that? Oh, man, I could barely hear it. It was fuzzy. Well, bring the polka music down a little bit, Donnie. And let's play it again for Tyler. Bradshaw loved to be in the limelight. It was almost as if when the lights went on, it was it was showtime and, and he was ready to go. There you go, Tyler. That was your second chance. Who is it? I don't know. I got to take a stab that mean Joe Green. No. Come on, dude. What a, We're right back in the muck here. Guys, here's what mean Joe Green sounds like. Okay. We heard him call Cook Show yesterday. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? How those are not the same voices. Come on. What are we doing here? So there goes Tyler. Next up. God, how is this real? It happens. And I, I'll be full transparency here. Yeah, please. I haven't sussed out who this one is like I figured out the first time. Donnie, do you know who it is? I knew it wasn't Joe Green, though. No. I mean, I have a, I have a couple thoughts in my mind. You but guessed, yeah, you Joe, guessed this? Joe Green wasn't... Uh, wasn't one of You're going to see one of the biggest country acts of all time, Tim McGraw. I mean, I'll, I'll give I'll give the caller credit here. Joe Green was at least on the team. With Bradshaw. Yes. Because we did get a couple of, of people yesterday who were just... That's Joel Steed's out music. Out to lunch. Here's Phil next. Hello, Phil. Matt Barr. Sorry, Phil. D didn't even want to hear the clip again. Just went. I don't know why. Ass over I don't know why. I just thought bar. that was so funny. The way <laughs> he just came flying in. That's like a Kool Aid guy, man. That's like a guy charging into the party, chucking one beer, and pass, passing out face first, and then being thrown out the door. One and done. Tom is next. Hello, Tom. Hello. Tom, do you know who that voice is? Do you want me to play the clip for you again, or you think you're good? Oh. Uh, how about the clip again? Okay. Bradshaw loved to be in the limelight. It was almost as if when the lights went on, it was it was showtime, and, and he was ready to go. When the lights went on, it was showtime for Bradshaw. Who said that? I don't know. Uh, John Cole. Tom, you are wrong. Yeah, I knew what you were doing to Tom there because I you played it once for me in the back, and I thought Cole. I have another name written down here, but I don't think it's right. I have a couple, actually. 
Paul is next. Hello, Paul. How you guys doing? Paul, what was that noise when we put Was that a burp? Was that a burp or, or what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm at work, and if you hit the... You got to keep the, the vehicle in the center line there. If you hit the shoulder there, it'll, it'll gotcha. buzz you. It's like a lane device. Gotcha, gotcha Paul. All right, Paul, well, you're multitasking here. Do you know who said that about Terry Bradshaw? Okay, so that was somebody that actually played on the Steelers with Bradshaw. I can't tell you that. Use context clues, Paul. You got a big brain on you. Well, well I'll tell you who it sounds like is Troy Polamalu. Paul, no, it doesn't. <laughs> what are we doing? What on earth are we doing here? We have strayed so far from God's light on this show. <laughs> Guys, just... Uh, Do you have any, Troy? I thought I did, but it must have gone I'm waiting for somebody fire. else to very confidently just say, Guys, I know who that is. It's Big Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben. Big Ben's a friend of mine. Incredible. I just... Every time I think we've hit a new low, somebody hands me a shovel or a jackhammer. Here's what Troy sounds like. It's not that I was any more special to him than I don't think any other player. Did that sound like the clip? The name that tune clip? Bradshaw loved to be in the limelight. Actually. It was almost as if when the lights went on, it was it was showtime and, and he was ready to go. I, I will say this much. When you're hearing that through the phone, it's not horribly off. We are just in here in a professional million-dollar studio with good headphones All on. Right. That one's not as... That one does not deserve to get made fun of like some of the other ones here. Really, Chris? He's He picked a Steeler who played in the last 10 years. That part of it I don't like. But the strict voice does not... It's not like when it was Dwight White, somebody going, that's Kevin Green if yeah, I've ever I, heard I think, I think you can see where he's coming from, but yes. you, you got to go context clues yes. here. Russell Did is anybody next. do well in phonics Hello, in Russell. School? You ready for Name That Tune? Who said that? Yeah, I got a guess that was Swan. No. No, it's not. I had Swan written down only because he's soft-spoken, but the, you know what there is? I Now, this is my perception of that. I think there's a Yinzer accent in there. Oh, Mulsey. I think there's a Yinzer accent That's there. That's a big clue to give out to people. Well, I don't know if I'm right, though. I hear a Yinzer accent. Okay, let's see if Jim agrees. Hello, Jim. Jimmy there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Sorry. Jim, do you want me to play the audio again, or do you think you know who that is? I would like any help I can get you. I play Omar. Bradshaw loved to be in the limelight. It was almost as if when the lights went on, it was it was showtime, and, and he was ready to go. Who said that, Jim? I was with 100%. I hear Yinzer in there. Okay. I was to say Rooney, and you guys said played with. That threw me off. Um, it sounds like a Rooney to me, but I'm going to say Andy Russell. No. Okay. Not Andy Russell, but at least you got the right, I bum, guess, bum, general bum, era bum. of football there. Yeah, I mean, okay. You, you, you guessed a guy that won Super Bowls in the 70s. Yeah. No problems with that. Still no tickets, though. No lucky winner. Let's see if Matt is ready to get this right. Hello, yeah, Matt. I'm here. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Matt, which, which, I'm here. Which, which, which person is that in that name, that tune clip? I'm going to go with Mike Webster. My, uh, Matt, guess what? Mike Webster. Matt, guess what? What? You're not getting the tickets. <laughs> now you're taking a little bit of sadistic pleasure here in this. I can tell you're starting to enjoy yourself here. Keith is up next. Hello, Keith. Hey, how are you? 
We're good here, Keith. Keith you're going to get this one right. Who's we in got that soundbite? Who is that? I'm going to go with Jack Ham. Keith, he just called into Cook and Joe this week, brother. It's not Jack Ham, Keith. I don't we, even think it sounds much like Jack Ham. We just heard Jack. Let's see if I have a Jack Ham clip here so people can tell the difference between the two. <sighs> I just want somebody to call in and say Kevin Green again. Just go for gin here. Go for it all. Put it all on the line. He did just have somebody call who is very confident they have the answer. Tom is next. Hello, Tom. Out of Temple University, tight end Randy Grossman. Tom? Yeah. Hello. I want to tell you something. You need That's to stay. Right. I know you is. need to stay on the line because you just won tickets to see Tim McGraw. I knew that. Very good. <laughs> stay Tom, on the line, Tom. Did you know that Paul Zeiss went to Temple? I did know that he's a PT grad. Yes. Are you a PT grad? No, all my kids went there though. Oh, congratulations on all their success. They have a statue of Zeiss or any plaques about him? Stafford. Pardon me. I said, do they have any like plaques or statues commemorating that Zeiss went to yeah, PT? Yeah, he's in their Hall of Fame now. He got in this Yeah, he year. is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Man, t- that would have been one hell of an acceptance Tom, who speech. do you think you're going to take to the McGraw concert now that you won? Malsey? Oh, I only, my wife. Oh. Precisin said this week that he thinks the NFL might be funding her trip from Japan back to the Super Bowl. She flies private giving, everywhere, though. I mean, she flies. They might be paying for the fuel, but she flies yes. private well, everywhere. I think they're paying for the fuel, and she, I think they're um, giving her a free suite. She flew, by the way. She probably needs to fly less. She flew a 13-minute flight, like from St. Louis, Illinois, to St. Louis, uh, Missouri. Why? Just to say she went from St. No, Louis to St. Louis. No, just because I think she just prefers to literally fly 13. You know how short of a flight 13 minutes is. You can't even hit cruising altitude. Anyway, neither here nor can't there. Even take a dump in 13 minutes. You might want to get that Especially on check. those planes, <laughs> Mr. Mueller. That's not a long enough flight. No, that's I, a nightmare for me. By the way, is having to airplane? go to a, is having to go to the bathroom like that on one of those I've, airplanes. Well, plus, plus, like especially if it's up in the front, and you're like walking through the crowd after they're oh, like, "All right, know. this dude was just in here for twenty <laughs> it's minutes." It's the reverse. <laughs> it's the people rev- are knocking. There's a right. line. Yeah. It's brutal. You're dude. in there probably sweating because the thing is like it's like a broom closet. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad Cook spot. apparently got clapped out of the building yesterday. They're all doing the exact opposite. There are stairs. They're wondering. They're judging you. But no, I think I'm with Boomer. They are getting way more the NFL at large out of Taylor Swift than she is out of them. Like if they're paying for a suite, their return on investment is through the roof. All she would have to say is, "Guys, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to the game," mm-hmm. and they would move heaven and earth to get her there because of what they move. Just move the game. What it brings. How many hours late will you be, Miss Swift? It's now Monday afternoon. By the way, Olivia Colpo, uh, we're selling her short. Miss USA and Miss Universe 2012. That's a great job by McCaffrey. Now here's the question. There's so much we don't know about the universe. Presumptuous title, in my opinion. There could be a very beautiful woman on another planet that we'll never know about. She was a 20-year-old sophomore at Boston University when she won that award. Can you imagine being a sophomore at at college and that's... Taking a run at her at a kegger? That girl's on your floor. And you're like, hey, you want to go out sometime? No, I'm busy with the Miss Universe pageant, (laughs) you you jackass. Could you imagine some of the horny part-time producers at our station... (laughs) 
<laughs> in college, you know, your Austin Bechtolds, your Harry Callis. <laughs> Man, just all these. I wouldn't say Harry's in that same vein. Harry would be, no. Of Ooh, all the, hello, Miss Culpo. Of all the guys here, I think Harry would honestly go up and do the best just chatting with her. He'd yeah, like, hey, just how like you the, doing? The most. You think I've got I, I what it say... takes to be Mr. Universe? He would say something funny like that, and she would laugh. Kale yeah. would go up to her and say something like, I'm just built different, and she'd karate kick him in the throat. <laughs> she'd prove so by knocking him out with one punch. No, can well think about where she was at, Boston U. We laugh about our producers. I think your average twenty year old at BU is way worse and way more annoying. They've got the accent. Now do you all believe, that crap. do you believe speaking of the suites being so expensive, do you believe the story that Chad Johnson the hotels Wait, what's the thing about Ed McCaffrey? He couldn't like afford one? Chris, I don't think he wanted to spend a million dollars on a suite. I don't think that that's a matter of affording. That's just like So he was probably planning like I'll just sit out. In, like the in the regular seats. Yeah, until she stepped up and got the suite for them. Okay, okay, fair enough. But Move on. Chad Johnson apparently is sleeping in his car. What? Because he's notoriously a cheapskate and oh, doesn't yeah, want to spend the money on hotel rooms in Vegas. Isn't his, aren't we assuming, though, that even though he might be frugal like that, that his car is probably absurdly nice? Or that he's doing it through some company that's like, well, you know, whatever. And Chad Johnson said that, told Shannon Sharp that, like, Speaking of going to the bathroom, he just goes into 7-Eleven and won't buy anything and just goes to the bathroom. Bad and said, move. And said, quote, they can't refuse you <laughs> service there in that spot, which they absolutely they, can. Dude, go in there, buy like yeah, just buy one some. pack no of bathroom. gum. Buy a pack of gum. I've only seen somebody have to do that once. It was my brother. I'm blowing up his spot. We are going to go play golf. And he knew we were on a stretch of road out in Butler County that had nothing for miles after. He just goes, you got to pull. It might have been a 7-Eleven. And, of course, that was the move, Donnie. Pack of gum. Yeah, I, I think you got to get something small. That's not even a fair trade for the convenience store if they have to go, like, in there and just do daily cleaning. You absolutely destroying that bathroom and all you buy is juicy fruit. You're not really paying <laughs> It's just it, some, some poor high school off. kid working right. there. Apparently, Ocho saved, quote, 83% of his NFL salary. He, he also slept in the stadium. He also eats McDonald's for breakfast every day. He's a. He, how does he not have an endorsement from them? How does he not have clogged arteries? How does he not have... Well, you saw that story. There's a guy who ate like one or two Big Macs a day, and that was like his main sustenance for years. Perfectly healthy. You think he's trying out the Super Big Mac now? I met the guy from Super Size Me at the Detroit airport. That almost, really? that I almost love, killed I him. I love that documentary. That almost killed him, they yeah. said. He did it for 30 days, and they said it almost killed him. Not the greatest endorsement for, not that anyone needed that. If, if the but. Chiefs win, Andy Reid joins Chuck Knoll, Bill Belichick, Steve Walsh, and Joe Gibbs as the only coaches with three Super Bowl wins. Where would you rank them among those guys? Chuck Knoll, Knoll. Belichick, Walsh, Gibbs, Reid if they win. You know who I'm tempted to put first? Gibbs. Why? Because he did it with quarterbacks that weren't that great. One you of have those to deals. at least you do have to at least consider it. I don't think you can dismiss that that notion out of hand. Uh, I would probably go, and you know I'm I, I am a staunch Brady made Belichick, not the other way around. But six is still six, so he's one. Noel is two. I'm gonna put. Hmm, you know what? I'm gonna go Walsh three. You still ended up with Gibbs last. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, I'm tempted to put one Gibbs. Well, you now know, I'm ranking him fifth behind everybody. <laughs> I know. No, I know. Well, here's why. 
Six is still more, way more than everybody else. Noel still has four, and Noel went back-to-back -back twice, which I saw Starkey writing about that and opining on it, and he's right. Going back-to-back -back is so difficult, and to do it twice in a six-year span is crazy. And then if you're going to say Reed is the best offensive mind going, where what is like the original tree that pretty much all great Walsh. offense springs from? It's Bill Walsh. So I have to put him above I Reed. I would put Reed fifth on that list. I would put, put Gibbs ahead of him? I would put Gibbs ahead of him. I would go Belichick, Noel, Walsh, Gibbs, Reed. Man, but Andy's Andy's work in Philly, though it never yielded a Super Bowl, I think is such a feather in his cap, man, that he that he did it and got to damn near the the top of the mountain with another team and clearly a lesser quarterback than he's got now. But Noel took the laughingstock franchise and turned it into a dynasty. Belichick took the 199th pick in the draft and made it the longest running dynasty in NFL history. Walsh took the 49ers, who were not a winning team, with Montana, who I think was a third round pick. And turned them into a dynasty. And Gibbs did it with Theismann, who was an MVP, but Doug Williams and Mark, Mark Rippin. Rippin. I mean, that's... So how far would Andy... So you're, it sounds like you're holding Mahomes against Reed a little bit A here. little bit, yeah. And and for the purpose of that argument, where I'm splitting hairs between those guys, yeah, I am. I'd hold Belichick... I'd hold Brady, even though Belichick drafted him. You can also say he passed on him how many different times before he finally pulled the trigger. I'd hold Brady against Belichick more than Mahomes against Reed there. Somebody t uh, tweeted in a good question. If Watson wins, if the Chiefs win, and the kid from South Fayette yeah. gets a ring, how many how many people from Pittsburgh would have more Super Bowl rings than him? Like born and bred here? Yeah. That would be three. So Montana. He also played with legitimately two of the, maybe the two best quarterbacks to ever play. Uh, so I Montana has. say yes, so they are Mon the two best. So Montana has four. So that's one. Is that it? From here. How many does Gronk have? Three just, at least. Just three, right? Well, wait. He's, but he's from Buffalo. He's not from here. True. Yeah, again, he's we're going back Buffalo. to that loophole. 14, 16, and uh, 18, but you're right. No, he wanna... won it in 20 with Brady. He was on the Brady team that won you're right. it in yeah. Tampa. Four. Yeah, you're right. Four. I don't want to count him, though. No, I, I agree, but if we, we're going to get real technical here, I'm blanking. How, um, who else is on there? What about, how many did Ty Law get? Ty Law was on the 01 team. Was he on the 03 team? He was on the 03 was he on the 04 team. team? He was on the 04 team. Good one, Donnie. So he would that tie That is really Law. good. Man, why am I blanking on, aren't there more players from around here that have won a bunch? Revis, no. Uh, Covert won one with the Bears. I know, but we're in like one, one. Tony Dorsett won only one with the Cowboys. How many, well. Man, what rare, there's got to be more guys. Well, Maybe hold someone on. will call in. So and hold on, I've got to look this guy up. The late, because uh, he was only, I say this only, yeah, he would have won two. And he wasn't technically from here. He was, he just played for the Steelers. My buddy went to high school with his dad was Jack Delaplane, but he wasn't a Pittsburgh native. Right. Pottstown. It's time to talk to top Steelers insider from The Athletic, Mark Cabali, and he is brought to you by Archie's Famous Wings. Start your weekend off right with a trip to Archie's East Carson Street, Southside. Mark, what the heck's going on with the Steelers coaching staff? Mike Sullivan, Eddie Faulkner, and now this guy Tom Arth. Hmm. Well, I think Eddie Faulkner's staying on to be the running back coach. I think Sullivan, they wanted to move on or at least switch his role a little bit here from being the quarterback coach because they wanted a guy like Arth to come in, a guy that's worked pretty well with Herbert over the past couple of years, a little bit of a younger guy, a little bit of a guy that has more experience in more today's game. But they love Mike Sullivan. And what I'm under the impression of is they're just waiting to see uh, if he wants to come back or not, 
depending on the title they give him. I think a senior offensive assistant is definitely in in the works here. Could be the the way to get him back. But I would everybody I talk to assuming that Sullivan will be back to run over. I mean to, to be that type of a guy. And that makes sense. I mean he's a guy that's been around the league fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years or whatever. He's been coaching all over the place, have a little bit of a overseeing the entire scheme of things. So uh, I think that's what the way they're going there. As for the receiver coach, guy that has once again younger, but not, but has a little bit more experience. Uh, Why not with Hines? Some, well, I think Hines just didn't have the that type of experience of working with guys like Sutton, Sutton Judy, Sanders, Garrett Wilson in New York. So I think they wanted a little bit more of a guy who uh, has a little bit more experience of coaching receivers rather than a guy that's, you know, a guy that's been there and done that. I mean, that's going to be a tough, tough thing for him to do though, to be honest with you. I mean, he has to come into a pretty uh, interesting wide receiver room and instantly earn respect from a couple of those guys. And how that goes to determine how his future goes as a Steelers receiver coach. Is he going to bring Mr. Big Chess back to the fold since he coached him at Central Michigan, Mark? Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen after. <laughs> I was being facetious for the record. I just wanted people to know that Mark, he did coach Mark, does your him. cable provider get CTESPN? No, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Fubo guy. I'm a, I'm a cord cutter. Okay. But, uh, you know, this Fubo, you know, I wish I could just pick and choose what I wanted. To watch, I mean, because uh, I wouldn't have that right now if I could get the Bucko games on. I think one of my neighbors basically one. does have that, and it seems marginally legal at best. Mark, how yeah, about, yeah. Mark, how about last night with Watt? We've seen so many Steelers insiders lose their minds over it. I was doing some of that last night too, so I can't even <laughs> pretend like I wasn't. Let's hear your side of things. I'm not going to lose my mind. It's not like Miles Garrett's not a great player and didn't have a great year, but he did not have the statistics late in the year um, that that Watt did. And, I mean, when you go, what, a, qu- a third of the season without having a sack, that's pretty convincing to me. So why do you think Watt. Garrett won then? I, I think it's twofold. I think uh, voters, whoever they are, you probably saw I had some questions about that last night yep. on that t- X machine. Um you know, it's almost a lifetime achievement award for him. They like it. And I think part of it has to do with um, EJ's brother. I mean, he's getting tired. I mean, nothing against JJ because he was one of the best players ever played this league. But he won three defensive players a year. TJ won one, probably should have won another. People might be getting Watt fatigued here a little bit, sort of like Steelers Hall of Fame fatigue. That's not the right way to approach a vote. And I think that has something to do with it. I mean, I really have an issue with the, the voting process. I think they totally box out all the local guys, the guys that watch a ton of football. I mean, not only do I watch, I'm saying me, I'm talking about all of us, in every city that covers a team watches 20 different teams a year, or at least 17 different teams a year according to the preseason. And trust me, we watch Sunday night. We watch one o'clock games. We watch Monday night games. We talk to people. So I think that process of voting needs to be expanded a little bit to uh, include some of the, the local guys. And maybe then 
things change. I mean, do you think Watt should that... have been there, Mark? Even though he didn't win, do you he think knew. that it was okay? Shouldn't he have he been pro- there for Cam probably, Hayward? Isn't there a case that probably, he should be there to show up for Hayward because they all seem to know Hayward was going to win the Man of the Year award? Well, what I've learned it. Everybody knew Hayward's going to win the day before, except Hayward. So maybe DJ already had planned, knew Man, he wasn't going to win. That's a secret to keep. Damn, I wouldn't want that responsibility. <laughs> yeah, he said on his conference call, if you, could, if you heard it today, Cam was really breaking up a little bit. But he said that people were texting him during the show saying, congratulations. He said, I don't know anything about it quite yet. He said he knew when the, the video came on. But Mike Tomlin doesn't show up to uh, awards meetings or awards so- ceremonies just to get his face on TV. And he was, uh, they were informed the day prior. So there was, you know, a few I just don't think it's a great look. I, Mark, yeah. I just don't think it's a great look for Watt as a teammate. I'm sure he had good reason. I, Obviously, he had good reason to be yeah. frustrated by his own situation. But, like, he and Hayward are probably the two leaders of that team. And I just, I think it would have looked better if he's there for that. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, if he, he probably thought Cam was going to get screwed again, you know. So he's saying, why are we, am I going to go there? If he knew, I can almost guarantee he was going to be there. But I don't even know where he was. I mean, he's, there was a cryptic picture of well, he, he his was wife in Vegas. somewhere. He was, he's in Vegas. Vegas. He, was, he do, was in Vegas. He was doing uh, Radio Row stuff. Yeah, he was out there yesterday. I mean, then if that's the case, I mean, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know what he had to do to get other responsibilities. And he found out at the last minute that, hey, maybe I should go here. But, yeah, I mean, him and Cam are best of buds. I would like to believe that if he knew he was winning, he would have dropped everything and went. All right, Mark, last one. What's going to be the number one big ticket item at your Super Bowl party on Sunday? Oh, this is going to be a bad one because my brother like literally called me and goes, do you want to make raviolis on Sunday? Come on over. I said, making no, eating yes. But that's the new Super Bowl menu, huh? Making and then consuming raviolis. That is a strange one, Mark. Nothing against raviolis, but I don't think a raviolis is a Super Bowl Sunday dish. I just had pizza today. If I tell you 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 can only have one of these two, and I don't answer this question myself, everyone knows how I feel about pizza. One of these stays, the other is gone forever. And that means on Super Bowl Sunday, too. Wings or pizza, what are you keeping? Oh, pizza. I mean, I love wings. They have to be the right wings. But uh, come on. You can eat pizza seven days a week. Yeah, bad pizzas like sex. It's still pizza. Well, you know, there's some pizza that's also, you know, have car washes that aren't very good. So, what? All right, Mark. We'll leave on that note. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk again <laughs> next week. All right. We'll see you guys. See ya. For the final time in 2023 slash 2024 football season, it is Donnie Football's Mega Matchups, and they are sponsored. The Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. So this isn't necessarily one-on-one matchups like a particular receiver against a, a corner or like a left tackle against a an all pro edge rusher what we're what we're getting on Sunday we have I I, I pick three I mean we, we know what the quarterback 
matchup is. We know which side that favors. It's David versus Goliath. Now we are getting two. We are getting a great pass rusher on each side, at least one. We are getting two of the best tight ends in the game, and also the guys carrying the football at least most of the time. You have. The best in the game, Christian McCaffrey. He just won Offensive Player of the Year. But Isaiah Pacheco has emerged in these playoffs as an animal. Like, he has been on a roll. I, I, I found a tweet from a betting expert a couple of days ago why he's pretty much a lock to be an anytime touchdown scorer. Everybody is all, always all over McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey's always like minus 300 to score a touchdown. And I think Pacheco is right under even money. He has scored in seven straight games. So he's scored in all the playoff games. He has carried the football uh, 49 more times than any other Chiefs player this this postseason. Like, he has been obviously not as important as Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. But behind those two guys, it's this kid. And... He runs the. I, I I just love the way he runs the did, football. What did somebody say the he way runs his like legs move? What, somebody said he runs like he's trying to bite people. I think was one of the ways people described it. Like a guy. Le- he runs like, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Like leaning out to bite you. Yeah, like we we hear about like angry runs, like what guys look like whenever Najee Harris won yeah, angry run of the year last night. The Congratulations angry runner of on the all. year. Maybe that'll justify a nice. Fifth-year option for him. But when Pacheco is running, it looks like he just wants to drive every single person into the ground and send them six feet under. He does He does have he just has a like very a, entertaining style about him. Yeah, like a different look whenever he runs. That is so satisfying to watch. But So you have him and McCaffrey. I know the edge would go to McCaffrey there just based on the history and, and how good of a player he is, how vital he is to their offense. Yep. Kittle or Kelsey, and then you have Chris Jones and Nick Bosa. So you're asking in, in these situations and how many of them, like, okay, so quarterback Chiefs advantage, yeah. running back 49ers advantage, tight end, I would say Chiefs advantage. You so would that, I. Malzi? I would say Chiefs advantage, yeah. Over Kittle? Because it's, well, it's combined with the quarterback. I think Kittle's actually a little more versatile, but Kelsey's just so good. Best defensive player, Bosa or Jones. Uh, I would say Bosa. I'm going to say Jones right now because Bosa has been, like, that whole pass rush has been pretty invisible. Yeah, I feel like for the, the way, playoffs. Like, they've gotten, like, oh, did you see this stat? Penay Sewell, 18 snaps against Bosa where Bosa rushed the passer. Zero pressures. He got swallowed up by Penay Sewell. I know that the Bosa has the accolades. He's the he's more of the edge rusher type, and Jones is more of a guy in the middle, interior defensive lineman. He just seems like way more of a disruptor. He's a game wrecker. Especially in this playoff run. Well, he was making big plays against the Bills and the Ravens yeah. that got their defense off the field. And he was great on their Super Bowl run last year. But here's the difference between who the 49ers just played and who they're going to play on Sunday. The Lions offensive line is the best in the league. It is. And their tackles are great. Especially it's Donovan Sewell. Smith from Penn State who's been in the league forever at left tackle. And the walking penalty that is Taylor who jumps. Did you see what Nick Bosa said when they asked him? commits a false start or holding penalty on every play. Did you see what? It seems for the Chiefs at right tackle. Did you see what Nick Bosa said when they asked him, what do you think about Donovan Smith's game? He holds all the time? That's all he said. He holds constantly. I think he's right. I know, but. So I would give Bosa the edge, and then coach, I would say Andy Reid. 
So in the big ones that Donnie's talking about, I would give Kansas City the edge in three of five. Do you know that in McCaffrey, the way his deal is set up won't change this, although functionally he's making way more money. But we're going on a lengthy streak, it looks like, where especially if Kansas City wins with what Pacheco's actually getting, it'll be the, I don't know, it's like tenth, it's like more than 10th straight year where the winning Super Bowl team, their best running back or leading rusher, accounted for less than 1.5% of their salary cap. If anybody's wondering about the overall importance of running backs in this day and age, at least highly paid ones, many years in a row now, the best teams in the league have had 1.5% or less allocated yeah, to the running Yeah, the Saquon Barkley's and Najee Harris's of the world are definitely rooting for the 49ers But I, But Sunday. even the way McCaffrey's deal is set up, it like doesn't ding them very much. So, Donnie, uh, I thought, maybe indirectly here, brought up a good point about the quarterbacks and Mahomes versus Purdy. Mm-hmm. How many Super Bowls would you say were won by teams that clearly in the matchup had the inferior quarterback? Well, um, the, Foles, the Foles one comes to mind immediately. Foles for sure against I'm, Brady. I'm, now, hold on. So you, guys, one. you guys are already going to get mad at me, but I'll start off. Cam Newton was the NFL MVP, and Peyton Manning was a shell of himself. That's one. That, That's another yeah. one. I'm so, I know Peyton is yeah, the better I mean, for, player, yeah, but for the time at the time, happened, yeah, yeah, we're talking there about, was no question We're talking about better. at the time the game happened. Um, clearly worse. Do we? <sighs> Russell Wilson at the time was clearly worse than Peyton Manning, so there's yes, three. Matt Ryan was the MVP, but he was going against Brady. Can't use that. Yeah, I'm saying clearly where there was no question. No, I know, I know. Eli Manning when he beat Brady twice. So there's two right there. Um, mm, Not many of these. Do uh, we? Kerry Collins was better than Trent Dilfer. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'd say clearly, even though. He was, he was. Uh, Brad Johnson was, was clearly worse uh, than Rich Gannon. You know what? Brady, the year they won their first You're one, right. was not Kurt against, Warner. Against yeah. Warner. Brady was not Brady yet. So there's... Was El- Elway was not better than Favre, nope, he their wasn't. first one. That was the whole story there. They finally had a running game to support him, and he took they took the onus off of There's him. There's nine. Uh, Rippin when he beat Jim Kelly, 10. Jeff Hosteller when he beat Kelly, 11. Mm, Doug, Williams Doug Williams when he beat Elway. 12. Would you say Phil, Phil Sims against yeah. Elway, 13. Pass on Bears-Patriots. There's nothing, nothing to be said there, I feel like. Yeah, even if it's, I'm not saying like one guy's slightly better. I'm saying clear advantage over the other. Uh, would you say Washington and the Raiders, Theismann, Plunkett? No. No. I would not. All right. So, I mean, at least going back to the 80s, that's three, that's 13 times in like 40 years. Doesn't happen often. No. But the, So the last one is Foles against Brady. Where the clearly inferior quarterback won the how game. How many? More to the point, how many since I would say the league really turned into a passing league? Let's just do it as a round number. 2010, starting in 2010, would be fifth, or no, 2009 would be 15 seasons till now. So Eli Manning beating Brady, mm-hmm. Russell Wilton, B- Wilson beating Manning, Peyton Manning when he's a. So four stiff, times, beaten, four times. Beating Cam Newton. And then, then Foles. Yep. So four times in what amounts to 14 Super Usually Bowls so far. Usually the best quarter. Is your wife a big Tim McGraw fan? Are you guys at their position, to tra- especially edge rusher, where you're always trying to pick up an edge or a new move? I, I did find that part of this very interesting, that the guy who also might have cause to be upset and say, hey, I deserve this as much as anybody, said, no, they got it right. The right guy won. I can't ignore that. I don't think people here should ignore that. I, don't, I also don't think that people who are... Um, in the media who aren't players should be just basing their 
awards on what they see with their eyes on tape? What qualifies them to base their picks on tape? Do you In know the what media? I, yeah. I mean, do you think a media member who's like, okay, Alex Kazora never played the game. Do you think Alex knows more than the average person, though? And I know Alex would sure, have voted TJ. I know he, he would have voted TJ Watt. Well, I guess my point is there are probably a lot of people out there. I would assume some of the people, hopefully most of the people voting on this, who do watch a ton of football. And even if they weren't former players, still can at least watch enough to have a good sense of what they are viewing. I mean, I just, I've never heard that standard applied. Like the offensive player of the year. Who won that last night, Donnie? Was it Christian McCaffrey, I think, won? So are we supposed to, with that, like, would an offensive player say, well, watch tape of Tyreek Hill and watch tape of Christian McCaffrey and don't go by their numbers. Go by what the tape tells you. Use your eye test for it. Ignore the numbers. Just go eye test with those two guys. How many times is there a safety over Hill? How many eight-man boxes is McCaffrey facing? How many times do they have to break tackles in order to pull off big runs? I don't know, man. That's making it really complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's never been done that way. And it clearly was not done with any other award this year. That's my gripe with this. It just wasn't. They cherry-picked Defensive Player of the Year, the voters did, to make this stand, to die on this hill of, well, it's not about the numbers anymore. When it's always been about the numbers. Why did Nick Bosa win Defensive Player of the Year last year? Because he led the league in sacks. That's why. The thing I find funny, sort of funny about it is, I know it is it is all about the numbers. Parsons didn't even get mad about this when he has a case for saying, like, I'm going by one of Football References advanced numbers. The year he lost it to Watt, where obviously Watt had 22 and a half sacks and everything else. Parsons football reference views him as a better player that year because he started as an off ball linebacker, but he was so completely insane. They just moved him all over the place. And so like the sack numbers weren't good, but he was the closest thing to just a full complete defensive weapon that you could have found. Now, in look, the league. If Cleveland had had some transcendent defense. No, people here would have still been just as pissed. If I, Garrett's numbers are the same, Chris, maybe can, not you, but people here, they could have been the number one defense in the league. Garrett has the exact same numbers. People here would be just as mad as they uh, are. Just as mad. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about I, – I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know if the Browns – if I really felt like the Browns had the best defense in the NFL this year and Garrett was the person that was spearheading that and was the fulcrum behind it, I would say, okay, that's been another – But what if he had the same, like, downturn in terms of counting stats at the end of the year, but their defense didn't struggle as a result? Yeah, that's a tough sell for me, though. Yeah, in that situation, I probably wouldn't want to vote him for it either. Because when it got to nut cutting time, he kind of if Miles Garrett played plays. for the Miami Dolphins, would stop people finishing be- plays is the is the word I want to use here. Because just because you're, you know, you're you're about to make a play and you don't like that's why the thing that Alan Saunders the, tweeted I kind of agree with. But that's the whole point of what the even PFF though Saunders people, hates me apparently. But that's what the whole thing the PFF group is I think trying to um, conceptualize here or contextualize is this. If Miles Garrett doesn't get to the quarterback because the quarterback quickly hurries a throw away, whether it's like a two-yard completion, an incompletion, or whatever, chances are they were trying to do something else. I know this is getting way into the weeds, but that seems to be their rationale. He disrupted many plays without physically recording a sack. That is what they're saying here, that he was the most disruptive force despite not having the most sacks. And the weird thing is, like, Trey Hendrickson's got the second most sacks in the league, and honestly, man, I have not heard one person... Even in Cincinnati, say, Trey Hendrickson deserved Defensive Player of the Year uh, consideration. Donnie, how many times did Darrell Revis win Defensive Player of the Year? 
Look that up for me. I think the answer is zero. Okay, and part of the reason for that is just teams would not throw at him because he was that good of a shutdown corner. Never won. So he didn't have stats, mm-hmm. and that cost him the award. That's how they've always done it. He did have six interceptions the year he finished second and okay. a touchdown. Okay, and he but- led the league in he led the league in passes defense. Isn't that like a pretty good like that's a pretty basic number. I do also think given the position that he played, like whenever whenever he gets brought up, okay, he didn't win that award. He is he is in the the first like 3 to 5 names anybody I know, but, thinks of. I know, but Chris corner. Chris's point with with Garrett is like he still did his job very well on each play even if it didn't finish with a stat. And I think Revis is an all-time example of somebody who would do that because teams would just say, all right, for this game, we're not even going to throw to that side of the field. It's not even worth but our isn't, time. But isn't his position a little unique in that a team sort of has that active choice that they can decide to make, and it's like Garrett is still trying to do – it's not – the team doesn't dictate. Garrett's going to rush the passer whether they want him to or not. They can choose, basically, to not throw the ball in Darrell's direction. The, the, the other team – has a full measure of control in whether Darrell Rivas sees any action. The thing about Garrett that you brought up earlier that I'm scratching my head on is his stats fell off the map. Their defensive coordinator was named assistant of the year last night. Mm -hmm. Don't you think the defensive coordinator there should have come up with ways to get him in spots, whether you line him up differently or the way that... uh, They only did that. They only did what you're describing one time that I read of. This year, so Schwartz moved him around because of all people, everybody's favorite gas mask bong uh, left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, just dominated him in both of their matchups. And so they did try to get him over right tackle to get him away from Laramie Tunsil. That was the one thing he which, did. Can I tell you something? Honestly, like I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but a point like that is exactly why the dude should not be defensive player. Well, TJ Watt doesn't go against left tackles. I know, man, but he's but you're telling me. It's such a mismatch against a left tackle that you have to move well, one, the best player in the entire one league single to another guy, spot. Though. I mean, he also worked over Trent Williams in a game the Browns won, and everybody watching that game said he he routinely pushed Trent Williams around. Rain game, though. Rain game. Bad turn. I see. Again, nothing about the right tackles, though, that Watt sees. Open phone Friday, 15 minutes away. Whatever you want. Can be on the Super Bowl. Can be on the Steelers. Can be on anything. 412-928-9370. Hall of Fame class got picked last night. Hines didn't even make the list of finalists. He got left on the cutting room floor with the semifinalists. They voted in Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, Dwight Franey, Andre Johnson, and Patrick Willis. Would you put Hines Warden over any of those guys? Nope. Donnie? Uh, no, no. Hester would be the only one I'd consider because it's still return game. Man, yeah, I'd have so to think the, about Hester now for a second. Like the thing with Hester, though, like when when his name gets brought up, it's – that guy was at, yeah. legit one of the best, like, at no, what he did. No, he was did. the best at what he did. Um, I mean, I think the guy who got shafted the worst was Antonio Gates. I thought he was a lock. So did I. More deserving Hall of Famer, Gates or Ward? Gates. I think Gates. I, three for three. No, there's nobody else that was in there uh, that I thought is lesser of a play. I mean, Patrick Willis was the gold standard off-ball linebacker in the league for his basically his entire tenure. Andre Johnson, among the wide receivers, was the one who I thought was more qualified than Hines. I would not put Devin Hester in over Heinz Ward. That's probably. I mean, that's that's the one I have to do because he's n- he's not a full time player on either side of the ball. He's a special teamer. 
Freeney, I'm good with. Willis, I'm good with. Andre Johnson, good with. Peppers is the easiest one. Pep, did you see they put out the uh, length of debate time for each player? Pony? Oh, they did? They had a an actual thing. Somebody clocked how long the debate was for each player. Who do you think had the shortest debate? I'm going to say... And it could be it could be either way. Like, the guy was a short debate, and they were like... Well, Julius Peppers? Yes. Yeah. Under six and a half minutes for Peppers. That one's... I'll tell you what. You look at Peppers' career here. Peppers is very close to being like a, the defensive version or one of them of stand up. Julius Peppers, sit down. I'm a little bit surprised two edge rushers got in. Usually they block each other. So f- the fact that Freeney and Peppers both made it. It helped, uh, Freeney that he, it helped Freeney that he had a second prime. You know, he has those two years where he's injured for one of them. He bursts onto the scene and then he rips off three more years in a row. Where he's ten and a half, ten sacks or more. Come, I think that really helped. Come him. on, man! A return guy is not more valuable than a Super Bowl MVP and a guy with a thousand catches who was a unique specimen at his position. It's just not. I'm I'm ultimately with you. My first inclination was to say I wouldn't put Hester in over him, and I'm gonna go back. I mean, to that if Hester had, if Hester was more than just, if he was one of the best return men of all time. And he also was pretty good at something else. So he was a starter, and he was a decent wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But he was the best return man of all time. Then I would consider it. But he wasn't. No, his best year as a wide receiver was 57 catches, 757 yards, three touchdowns. And he was like a reliable. He so put he up like, like a two or three. He put up reliable three numbers for about a four-year stretch. Yeah, that's not... That's not a Hall of Famer for me. Career touchdowns, uh, 16 receiving touchdowns, 7 rushing touchdowns, so 23 offensive touchdowns, Pony, 19 return touchdowns. 412-928-9370. People want to talk about TJ Watt's snub. Here's Joe on the fan. Hello, Joe. Hey, boys. How are you? Hey, brother. Real quick, I'm just going to ask, I mean, are, are they also initiating the fact that how many times offensive linemen jump off sides? and get a free running start and, and keep those guys held back that they can't, you know, they get a free run first. They step back at least almost every play and stop that rush from getting their quarterback killed. And, and TJ still beats the rush. And they didn't line up Miles Garrett all the time in the same spot. They moved him around a lot. You got to watch the games. They moved him in the middle. They had him in the middle. Yeah, the, time that they moved him in the, the time that they moved him into the middle, he destroyed everybody. Not every time, Chris. I mean, he got blocked coming up the middle. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't destroy everything, but TJ destroyed everything, and not to mention, every time he gets up, if he didn't destroy anything, he got his hands up to either intercept the ball, knock it down, or whatnot. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that that TJ – I mean, Miles did block like a field goal and have a game against the Colts where he basically single-handedly won it. I'm aware. Well, if you block listen, a field goal, that shouldn't be taken into account. If T.J. Watt touches a touches uh, catches a touchdown pass like Mike Vrabel used to do, should, t- should fumble recoveries count, count really? Yes, because they're luck based plays. You happen to be right place, right time. Well, yeah, part of it is that like I wouldn't like obviously that's not one of the top things I would look at. But if he picked up the ball and then ran it another thirty yards for a touchdown and made athletic plays to score, I would think about okay, that. Sure. Just for argument's sake, here is T.J. Watt's fumble scoop and score to win the Browns game. A great play by T.J. Watt. No, that was more about Alex Highsmith. Okay. But you would admit that people will probably look at that and say, hey, he had a fumble. He had a touchdown. He was great on that play. Um, I, I just – I do think something that works against Watt – and listen, there's, an, there's a disadvantage to this part for him too, but people don't talk about it as such. It's that the quarterback, unless he's a lefty, can see him all the time. 
and maybe then make moves to get away. I do think it is noteworthy that they line him up almost exclusively over right tackle, which in theory, unless the right tackle is Panay Sewell, is the easier matchup on most teams. Here's Daryl in Houston. Hello, Daryl. Hey, guys. Nice conversation. Uh, real quick, uh, before I get into the G.J. Dwight thing, i got to tip my hat to you, Pony, and your heartfelt uh, uh, wishes to Ron yesterday. That takes a big man to go Thank in you. there and do it face-to-face. So uh, a lot of respect on that. Um, with regards to what we're talking about, we're, we're making everything too subjective. You can't, you know, he had pressures. Well, now you got to ask, did the pressure, what, the, what happened – what was the result of the pressure? Was it still incompletion? Did the guy step up? Did he avoid the, the sack? We need to get back to what we know, and that's just looking the eye test. You can see who's playing better by virtue of the numbers that he's putting up. All these other analytics and all these other things we're trying to infiltrate the game, we're just putting people in play who aren't really shouldn't be in play. Mathematicians. I mean, the guy who found, who's like one of the main backers of PFF, he's not the founder, but it's Chris Collinsworth, who was a pretty good football player. Like, there are other yeah, – Bruce Gradkowski came on this show. He did all of their quarterback rankings. He played quarterback. He beat the Steelers in a game at yeah, Heinz Field. Yeah, yeah, but you're, 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 okay, that, there's not – I'm not saying there's not a place for analytics, but now we're putting it into terms of having awards and, and Hall of Fames and all those things. When you say, hey, he didn't have a sack – for the last a one sack for the last seven games. Oh, but he had pressures. He had he had other analytics, and none of that matters because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's about performance based on what you ask, what you can account fair, for, not what enough. you're subjected to. Fair enough. Let me ask you this: Are all sacks mm-hmm. created equal? And I mean that thusly. No. I mean that thusly. No. If TJ, because I saw somebody no. in the mentions, and I'm not going to go back through and say I watched a supercut of TJ Watt sacks to to see if this person was right or not. They called them red carpet sacks yesterday. Essentially, the road was paved for T.J. Watt, and it was an almost any, anybody could have done it. Put Nick Herbig in, put uh, Marcus Golden in. He sacks the quarterback on that play. Like I, I, I do, okay. I would love to see somebody actually cut up each person's best plays and see what they actually looked like, or each person's sacks in this race. Well, let, well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a question, Chris. You said that you implied or you, you said that the left tackle is more likely to be the better player than the right tackle? Yeah, I think that's still well, a truism well, in the just, NFL. Well let's, well, let's just ask ourselves that question about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, guess who their left tackle is, will be is, next year? Is, is, no, we're not talking about next year. We're talking about what happened this year. Let's not, let's, not, you know, let's not pivot. Let's talk about who do you feel is the best tackle on the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Broderick Jones, who should have been playing left he, tackle from where did moment one. Right tackle, played, and that was malpractice oh, by the right, coaching but, staff. Come on, Chris, quit moving the goalposts, baby. I'm talking about what we're talking about in terms of this discussion. He is the right tackle, right? There yeah. might be other teams who Who's, make decisions who based say on, is the, on other criteria. Panay, that, well, Panay Sewell is right? one. An ex, I use Panay Sewell to, against my own example here. He's a left. He was drafted as a left tackle. They figured he would end up being better at right tackle. He's the best one in the league. Who do most people say, though, is the best tackle in football? It's Trent Williams. I, I, Where I, does he play? I've Left just, tackle. I've just never seen in my entire life for a football award. It happens all the time in baseball. I've never seen for an award more than surface-level analysis done for who wins. Who led the league in sacks? Was his team good? All right, he's a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just I've, it's never, ever, ever gone that deep. And if we want to start going that deep, fine. I'm not like... I'm not hugely against it, but can we at least apply it to every award and not just make it about one award? 
do, do run the whole gamut. If do Purdy, for all of them. If Purdy had ended up winning MVP, you would have this same debate about that. And if he had beaten Jackson and outplayed him head-to-head, I think he would have. Um, I The thing that I can't get away from here that, that keeps sticking in my head is two things. Parsons saying the right guy won it, and then I do get the sense. Now, obviously, Cleveland fans are going to be like, ha, 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 our guy won it. He was the right choice. Nationally, though, when I try to take like the temperature of people who presumably would be uninterested parties or neutral parties, there does not seem to be much uproar outside of this listening area and this fan base about who got this award. I don't really think there's much uproar over Defensive Player of the Year most years because I don't think I don't think enough people study it and really form. Like, I don't know if I had an opinion on on Nick Bosa or who should have won it last year. Well, the year TJ TJ Watt won it, the year TJ Watt won it with 22 and a half sacks, there was a real groundswell of people. I remember this because of how versatile he was. He was versatile. He was a rookie. He wasn't even drafted to play on the edge, but he didn't win it. And he went and did it because TJ set the record for sacks in a season. That's why he won. Joel is on the fan. Hello, Joel. Hi, how you doing? I got to agree with Chris on this one that I think that uh, Miles Garrett had to always play the vast majority of the time against the best offensive lineman who everybody knows in the NFL, you put your left tackle there. And, 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 what, so, and, and what team do you root for, Joel? I root for the Cleveland. Thank you. Goodbye. He sounded like such a nice guy. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> An older gentleman, charitably listening to our show. Didn't sound like that Jim and Youngstown guy. Who likes to call in from time to time? Don't masquerade around here and try to get me a like an analytical, objective argument where I know it says Ohio. I know what your your game is here. It's time for Open Phone Friday, where you come clean and in great detail, and it's brought to you by Wetco. Go unlimited. Visit getcocafe.com/unlimited for more details. Uh, we do get inundated. Every show does with complaints. Why don't you talk about this more? Why don't you say this? Why don't you say that? So this is the time each week where we turn it over to you. So you can set the agenda, and we can talk about whatever you want at 412-928-9370. Here is Mike to start us off. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Hey, man. You know, as soon as I heard this T.J. Watt thing, I knew there's only one person who thought it was a good idea. It was Muller. I knew it. He had no sacks in December. Great, great outside linebacker. He got a little bit of play because Mason Rudolph got out there and his name got out there again. Think about. Thank you, Mike. Wait, what? I don't. I don't get the Mason Rudolph point. He's saying you, that Mike. he's saying that uh, he's getting this award because Mason Rudolph made waves with some good games, and so I guess that made it so that Miles Garrett would win. You know, I for the I record, pointed out didn't by you the, say that you would vote? You would have voted Watt over Garrett. Yeah, and I think that I ultimately well, that seems to have been lost on Mike. Well, I and I also more to the point. One of the things I have continually said is that it's very curious to me that he won the award despite having his counting stats more or less totally disappear for literally six weeks at the end of the season. I've said that like five times today. Apparently, Mike didn't hear those first four times. Here is Ron on the fan. Hello, Ron. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, man. Uh, get this out quick. Uh, we beat Watt to death here. So what's up with the NFL and the Browns? Stefanski, two-time coach of the year over Ryans and Campbell. Come on. Uh, Dusty Joe Flacco, comeback player. DeMar Hamlin died on the field twice. Yep. They know what the Browns will more, never win a Super Bowl, so they figure they've got to give them all these individual awards to give the people of Cleveland something. 
He's 37 and 30. I'm tired of, well, he had to go through three quarterbacks. Mike Tomlin had duck that year, and that was probably his best year to win coach of the year, and he didn't. Uh, so I, I'll tell you what it is, too, with Heinz Ward not making a Hall of Fame. It's a direct Steeler bias. Same thing that's going on with what? Thank you, Ron. Uh, Flacco over Hamlin, I think, is an even bigger injustice than what happened to Watt. If I had to rank where they got it wrong last night, that would be the number one for me. Some old head who just returned from no one wanting him, one comeback player of the year over a guy who we thought died on the field, somehow recovered from that and still had the willpower and the fortitude to go out there and play the football courage. again this year. Thank you. Good work. Um, you know what? I think the one that most people thought was probably defensible was Schwartz winning assistant of the year. But humor me. Mike McDonald piloted, I think, what was actually the number one defense. A big Tim McGraw fan. What is the whole other thing of Brock Purdy shouldn't have been the MVP frontrunner at that point.